Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I'm Franny Benali. This is Klaus Lundekvam. I'm Matt Letizier. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcasts on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcasts at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome to episode 118, A Fistful of Dollars, the first episode of a Soctor Tactics new look in that number. Thanks to a successful U.S.-backed takeover bid with literally several dollars, we are now the official South Coast Crusaders franchise legacy fan podcast. In a week that's seen the breakout of the awesome new European Super League, we also review the sorry-ass one-to-nothing L in the Soccer Knockout Cup at Wembley Bowl Arena, against the Leicester Soccer Foxes, and throwing away that W thanks to a lame-ass second-quarter performance in the Premier League Legacy Conference road trip up at North London Soccer Roosters that had fans calling for Coach Haas and Hoodle's head. But before all that, let's say a howdy to our special guest this week, Legacy fan legend Ray the Freedom Hunter Hunt. <laughs> howdy, partners. Howdy. Howdy, Ray. And let's introduce... 
Kevin, the goddamn commie out in Moscow, Russia. I, for one, welcome our new American overlords. <laughs> <laughs> We've got you by the soccer balls now, Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, we've had some, some protests about overuse of the word soccer, so, um, yeah, fuck it, I'm, I'm out of this, sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna pull out too. <laughs> That's what she said. Hey! <laughs> Anyway, uh, enough of this. Yeah, let, let's. It didn't let's, last long, did it? No, right? it didn't. No, it didn't. That's uh, what she said. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's get on with the real show, shall we? We've I think got the a only big one ahead of us uh, today, right? Yeah, I think the only true thing in that intro was the title of the episode, which is a fistful of dollars. Um, anyway, we're here to discuss a very, very turbulent seven days, not just for Saints, but for <laughs> the whole of the footballing world, the rise and fall of the Doom Super League, the protests, the anger. And we've also had a terrible week results-wise, falling at the semi-final stage of the FA Cup without putting up much of a fight and spectacularly losing to Spurs from taking another first-half lead. Lots of anger and disappointment to get through today, so strap yourselves in. I'd like to officially announce our guest lineup today. We've got Tim Bizantz and Alex Haas returns. Nice to have you guys back on. It's been a, it's been a tough, tough week for football off the field um, and, you know, as a club. It's been dreadful on it, but how are we feeling? Well, the real problem is that uh, with my liver, uh, this, this whole thing's drove me to drink, and I sound like a little – I had a pack of too many cigarettes right now, and I haven't had any last night, so that's good. I um, like it. Yeah. It gives, I you, sound gives like, you a bit of an edge. <clears throat> yeah. I've been yelling and screaming so much last week that it just dro- drove me to drink. Jesus. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and, Alex, yeah. how, how are you getting on? Only, only because I have to take care of my child. Uh, I, I didn't go that far, but I'm just, I'm exhausted with football right now, to be honest. Uh, I think we've said in the Discord that both of us, myself and Ray, have been never, have never been closer to the Ralph out situation, uh, than we are right now. So, and that's a pretty shitty point to get to. Yes, it, it certainly is. And we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that in a bit. But first, Alex, how, how's the, how's the little nipper? Oh my God. He is a full blown toddler now. He's walking. He's, Yay! Uh, he's he's not really talking in complete words, but like he's is understanding he, what things are. He can point at stuff and recognize them. Is he pointing at the uh, telly when Saints are playing and then screaming? No. He, no, he usually screams. He usually screams, but he's not pointing and uh, screaming at anything specific yet. Normally, he shits his pants when Saints play too. So. <laughs> oh, so do I. <laughs> That sounds pretty normal, actually. Yeah, yeah. Can you kick a ball with him? No. We haven't tried, though, since he's been walking. We're, we're still kind of just letting him get the hang of standing up and moving around. I definitely want to see videos of, uh, of him kicking his first football. Yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'll send one to the Telegram. Yes, definitely. Do that. Um, right, should we kick off with ITN News? Yeah, yeah. This is ITN in that number news. Okay, ITN news then. Uh, We will start with fixtures. Saints versus Leicester at St Mary's is now on a Friday night. That's Friday the 30th. That's next Friday. This is an 8pm kickoff and it will be live on Sky. Um, I don't know about you Americans. It's probably 
NBC, right? Yep. That's a good guess. Um, My favourite time slot. Oh, yeah, of course, Kev, because you're three hours ahead, aren't you? So you're, you're, you've got a late night. That, but, you know, Friday night football against Leicester's not normally a, a good thing, is it? No, definitely not. We, we all remember what happened last time, though. Um, but uh, following that, we travel to the champions, Liverpool, on Saturday, the 8th of May. So that's an 8.15 kickoff, Kev. And that's also on Sky. And then, then we've got Fulham, Leeds, West Ham. And we're still awaiting that Crystal Palace game confirmation. Um, but that's it, guys. Leicester, Liverpool, Fulham, Leeds, West Ham and Palace. Some really difficult games in there. And it's going to be difficult to pick up points against Leicester, Liverpool, West Ham. We need to take all three points against Fulham, you feel. Um, but they're fighting for everything. And Leeds and Palace, too. You should probably expect four points out of that. Well, I will anyway. Um, but how how are you guys feeling about these? Um, yeah, I think minimum of four points and, you know, we'll be safe and uh, not so sorry, I guess, uh, for the end of the season. But, yeah, I mean, judging on the most recent performance or, you know, most of the performances this year, I'm not expecting anything fantastic. Um, so, yeah, surprise me. I mean, it's a shame because... Uh, I don't know about Ings, how long he's going to be out for. But, mm. um, I mean, Ralph, as you see in his interview recently, he said that we must be able to come over the line without Ings. Um, it's an interesting turn of phrase, of course. Um, <laughs> coming yeah. over the line. But, yeah. I mean, that's no surprise. We've been wank all year anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, well, second half of the year we have anyway. Um, Tim, what, what, what are you feeling about these remaining fixtures? It's just like a gut punch left and right. Uh, just watching this, it's, it's, it's more of a chore now than it is the, for pure enjoyment. Uh, honestly, we just gotta get some kind of points and hopefully somebody on the, I think they're gonna, it's somebody, it's not us who's gonna succeed. Somebody else on their team or whatever team we're playing against is gonna just have to suck for that day or that game and give us a, you know, make some extra mistakes and give us the win and, uh, honestly just get to 40 and scrape together whatever we can cause, uh, we can't do anything, honestly. It's, it's really, really, it, re- it really yeah. sucks. It's really bad that it's actually come to this. You know, you would have thought that in November being top of the league. But yeah, Alex, do you, do you go along with that? Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I'm nervous about these last few games. Um, we, we gotta get to 40, but I don't see it happening easily. And I, I bet that it's gonna happen against teams we like, like we'll take three points against Liverpool, but we'll lose against Fulham. It, it's kind of <laughs> how I see it going. Like, it, it's just, the same shit a different week, and it's going to be a tough watch over the next few weeks as we play. Yeah, like like Tim said, it's becoming a chore, and it's you know yeah the, yeah the, really the enjoyment is. has been sucked out of it. But it has for me anyway, and especially this week, you know, it's just been yeah, it's been difficult. Well, I mean, seeing as the first team's been just disappointment after disappointment, and we had the lovely email from Scott out in New Jersey um, saying that he enjoyed hearing about the other teams. So it's uh, a good time, I think, to to talk about uh, the other teams. Yeah, of course, the, the women's team and the B team, uh, which I suppose in a less fastidiously woke podcast would be called, without irony, the birds and the bees. Um, <laughs> but we're not going to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe ironically. Um, all right, so yeah, start with the women's team, a positive note. Uh, they've beaten Lewis. Uh, they've beaten 2-1 to get through to the next round of the FA Women's Cup. And yeah, it was quite a match. Uh, Rendell saving a penalty and then Georgie Freeland and Rachel Panting with a couple of absolute oh, screamers. I, se- I sent Rachel Panting a message after that and she um, responded to me and stuff. Like that. Mm. Yeah, it was a fantastic goal. Like practically from the halfway line. Oh, it was great. It was great. <laughs> Brilliant. But yeah, bringing it all down, of course, is the, the, the B side. Um, getting absolutely dicked 
by Leicester seven one away. Um, I'm fucking sick and tired of Leicester. <laughs> who, 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 who do we play next, by the way? Fucking <laughs> Leicester. <laughs> yeah, like Leicester. Leicester. That's yeah. that, that's rock bottom in the league now, Kev. That's four points behind West Ham and Leicester, who both have games in hand and two games left to play, both against Everton. It's looking awful. It's, that's five losses in a row. Only four wins from 22, with a goal difference of minus 27. Ouch. Going down like a sack of shit, man. It's awful, isn't it? Really, really bad stuff. They need to sort something out there. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pathetic. Um, yeah, any more positive news? I say any more positive news. Any positive news, Kev? <laughs> Just any news, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know if you heard that the FA, Premier League, the EFL and a host of other organisations, they've all joined forces to start a social media boycott, which um, <laughs> has been unironically called a blackout. Uh, <laughs> and this is um, to <clears throat> show a stand against uh, racism and, uh, yeah, racist bullying and harassment online. Um, that's going to be from 3pm on Friday the 30th of April to midnight on Monday the 3rd of May. So not going to be hearing anything from uh, any clubs involved with those organisations. Yep, fair play. What do you think it. of it? I mean, I yeah, everyone I understands that it's not going to eliminate racism, but if anything that can draw attention to yeah, what black and minority players have to deal with, um, then, yeah, I think fair enough. I think so. I think it's good. You've got to be, they've got to do something. Something has to be done. Something more has to be done. But what, what, what can they do? Like you said, Kev, they can't eradicate it completely. It's, it's always going to exist, isn't it? Yeah. Um, just hopefully, you know, minimise it so it's um, easy to deal with when it does crop up. I didn't actually look into when the dates were when they were doing the blackout. So I was a little surprised to see Southampton having an Instagram post this morning because I was like, oh, that, I thought they were in a blackout. Like, what, what is this? Um, but I, I definitely agree that I'm in support of it and something more needs to be done on social media platforms about the, uh, the abuse that a lot of players and other people, you know, everyday people that aren't playing football get and, and that the platforms have a responsibility to make their, their social media platforms a place where everybody is welcome and, and not tolerate the abuse that people get. You know, especially mm. high-profile people like football players. Absolutely, yeah, well said. I get it. Um, I would actually like them to do a little bit more, and just how by a little bit more is I want. I didn't want them to announce it. I just want them to shut everything down, and with a nice worded statement that they can put out and give to somebody and say, "Fuck you guys, you're causing some problems. We're shutting this down for a week, and we're going to make a difference." Because making the announcement ahead of time, leading in for a four-day blackout. It's it's more PR related than true true action based. Yeah. Where if they just said nope, we're shutting it down. Instagram, Facebook, all of these, you know, it's it's the people behind it. Obviously, in, in, they can't people who you know run Facebook or Instagram can't control the people who are with what they say. But there are various steps they can take, and I like I want them to take bigger action against it than just announcing a week ahead of time that they're going to shut down for four days. And Some they could do they could do more, but it's a good it's a good start. Yeah, it's a very good start. I mean, the Swansea and Birmingham pretty much when their players were getting abused, they just shut up shop completely. Unacceptable. Uh, yeah, just yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Facebook and Twitter and all these other companies need to be doing a lot more to 
to try and um, root it out. I mean, it's all about education too. Everybody here, sure, is, yeah. When it comes when it comes to being able to provide that, people are ignorant, and it only uh, you know the platforms will only allow for the ability to showcase that hate that that is currently and still out there today, and it shouldn't be because um, people use that as a as a mechanism for their own. I'm better than you, and by whatever it might be to get their point across, it's it's not healthy. And you know, I, you know, whether it's an education problem, which it primarily is, or just an entire thought process issue that they grew up in a location that didn't have that ability to critically think and know that people should be loved and cared for and respected no matter what, who you are, what you look like, how you act, as long as you love everybody. You know, you can treat everybody well. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to, if you don't really want to like them, don't, don't say anything. Okay. That's, that's the biggest thing. But the platform itself is, does allow for a funnel to get, get to and attack, uh, individual players or whatnot. And, you know, go find them and say, here, here's, here's what you're doing. And this is a problem and you're, you need to be taken care of. Yeah, it's like my mum used to say, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why me and Kev just spent, spent our childhood being silent. <laughs> yeah. That's why, that's why I do, there's so much dead air sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should just put out a Saints podcast of silence in the future then. Yeah. Um, I think some people might prefer that. <laughs> yeah, it's your choice to listen. Mate. <laughs> um, one quick item of news before we get into the main one. Uh, Shane Long, uh, with that groin injury, he's back at Staplewood for treatment for the near future. They're hoping to get him back into shape. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, soon, Shane Long. Um, right. Now, the, the real reason, uh, we have a strong panel today is, is to discuss this Super League. Uh, when, when we were preparing for this episode, we were in the midst of all the chaos and obviously it's been resolved somewhat. But, uh, I still would like to discuss everything with you chaps. I'll start with you, Kevin. Uh, well, I guess, where do we start? In your own words, Kev, how did you take to the news of this, this Super League? Yeah, I think it took everyone by surprise, uh, to be honest. It had come completely out of nowhere. But, I mean, as different individuals and organisations started to respond to it, um, I really didn't think it's going to happen. I still don't think it's going to happen. But, yeah, I didn't really uh, treat it with... Uh, any kind of credibility whatsoever but I think is it just posturing on the part of these big six clubs in England than the other European clubs that they they want more power and more money possibly they're just flexing their muscles or was it a genuine attempt to build a breakaway league I guess we're not going to find out anytime soon Mm, I don't know well I mean yeah Florentino Perez seems still to be under the impression that it's it's going to happen but, I mean, he's just fucking deluded, isn't he? The guy is, yeah. There's a reason that I watch soccer in its own current state right now, because it's not the American system. I want something that's different, and I enjoy the the aspect of everything that it provides over there in the UK and in European leagues. It's it truly does. You can build a team from the ground up, whereas the closed model system here that we're used to for the NFL, NHL, um, MLS as as well, because it's, it's often joked about that the MLS is a pure Ponzi scheme. But beyond that, uh, they are American owners taking an American idea of a closed model system and trying to escape away and get money out of it. So 
I was enthralled by to see what was happening because just as, as you initially heard it, I'm like, oh, is this actually going to work? And then quickly, you know, I've never seen so many people come together and actively hate something like that. <laughs> it, 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 I don't know. Star Wars, The Last Jedi, that was pretty close. Uh, this this <laughs> is different. This is like go – I mean these owners now cannot step foot anywhere near that area without – Full-on security detail, and even then, I'd still be I'd still be a little worried if you're Stan Kroenke or uh, John Henry or well, especially Blazers. Man, they've they've been hating for a long time. This is even way worse. Mm. So seeing all that, I it was just it's like a it's like a car crash, and then eventually turned into a train crash right right before my eyes as I'm watching it. So on Monday, my productivity was super low because I'm streaming Sky Sports News from across the pond and just trying to check it out and is it going to happen? No, but it's a great, it's been a great cover up from the recent champions league changes, which are absolute shit too. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that was it. It was kind of like, let's just put the super league out. And then when it falls flat on its face, we'll discuss the change of the champions league and it won't, it won't seem so bad. So they have to take it on, you know, if you know what I mean, but um, yeah, Alex, how did you take to the news? It was shocking. And it was like, it was something like out of a Bond movie or, or in my fantasy nerd brain, it was a very good Dungeons and Dragons plot where you have this group of superpowers scheming behind everybody's back and forming this breakaway league. And, and it was very enrapturing. I mean, like Tim, I spent a lot of my time on Monday and Tuesday through the rest of the week, just streaming Sky Sports and watching all the news about it and hearing different players reactions and different pundits reactions and uh man it it it, i think also like tim i i fell in love with the european model of football because and i'm saying football because i don't want to do push-ups uh (laughs) because of because of the promotion relegation like every team has skin in the game and there's a magic about being able to work your way up from the bottom and get into the champions league um you know, and that's, that is true magic in this world where your hard work has merit. And, and that's why I don't watch American sports anymore because it's a closed system. It's just franchise based and it's, it's not interesting. Those teams play week in and week out and there's no skin in the game. They, you can, in the NFL, you can go on and play the Super Bowl, which is entertaining, but those, those teams label themselves world champions, but you're not a world champion because you're not, you're, you're hardly even international. Like, you're, you're playing in one country and you're playing with teams that regardless of how bad the Buffalo Bills do, they are always going to be in that league. They did so, well. They did well this year. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did this year. But in past seasons, they've been pretty shit. I, I mean, the Lions are another club that, or, or team that people have said in the pro rel discussion would be relegated if there was such a thing in, in American football. And, and it was, I don't know. It, it was, it was heartbreaking because the owners of these clubs have now besmirched the club identity, I think, permanently. Uh, mm. and, and it's, it's hard to think of a scenario where you can actually take some sort of action against what they did to make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, we're going to have to discuss punishment. Yeah. yeah in a sec, but, um, Alex, Real Madrid president Florentino Perez said on Wednesday that the project is on standby, as Kev alluded to earlier. 
says we're still not done, despite all six English clubs putting out, you know. How long is it going to take for it to rear its ugly head again? Because he's also said that I don't need to explain what a binding contract is, but effectively the clubs cannot leave. It, it seems like the clubs are trying to do everything they can to save face right now in the wake of all the protests and the backlash that they've had. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good point. Who knows what these contracts say because they were done behind every, they were done in the dark behind everybody's back secretly. And I, I personally think that it won't be long until something like this happens again, which is why there needs to be some action against it to somehow hurt these owners pocketbooks. 51% fan owned. That's what, that's what is, is yeah. on the cards. Yep. 100%. Like um, Bundesliga. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. You know, th- but he's also, Perez has also said, Kev, that, you know, this is the only solution for football. I'm sure, I'm sure it is. Um, Kev, with these points, well, I mean, some of the points now aren't valid, are they? Because, you know, we've, we've come to our senses over this and, but I do want to bring this up, right? Active players have openly stated that they didn't want it to go through. You've heard from Patrick Bamford, you heard Bruno Fernandes, James Milner. But when the fans are allowed to return back to the stadiums, they're in the firing line, not the owners. They're going to be out of sight, counting their millions or whatever, whilst the players are going to take in, they're going to be taking all the flack. This isn't fair. Everybody wants these clubs, these six clubs in England, to be punished on the field now. But it's not fair on those players that didn't want this to go through anyway. They're just being, they're just pawns being manipulated, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't really have a say. I think banning them from international competitions, the players, I think that's unfair. It's, it's, that's a bit, it's a bit tangential. But I mean, anything from banning them from Europe, European competition for a season or more, or a, a points deduction in the league, probably more feasible. Say, all right, show how much better you are than the rest. Start on minus ten points. Good luck. Um, right, unfortunately, I don't think either of those things is going to happen. But I mean, the minimum I'd expect is a transfer ban, like Chelsea had uh, the other season. Um, for whatever financial misdemeanors they had, <coughs> something's something's got to happen. I mean, the Premier League saying that they're going to get them all to sign a decree that says that they won't break away again. Oh yes, we promise. Um, but that's you know shutting the gate after the horse is bolted. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, and and if, they, if they have a binding contract with the Super League, then how can like, like exactly I, I they break away from that? Yeah. yeah, Tim, like Kev has just said about the, you know, the players being banned from representing their countries in the Euros or the World Cup or whatever. I'm pretty sure the Glazers don't care if Bruno Fernandes doesn't make the Portuguese squad for the Euros. And once again, this is punishing the players who were against the idea and not the owners. 100%. And UEFA's swinging their big dick around too and causing problems. So they're not, <laughs> they're not, they're, they're the lesser of two evils while still albeit very evil in this case. So, uh, I see, you know, the, the idea of deducting points and the transfer pan. Uh, honestly, I don't know if that's the correct punishment to fit the crime. Um, you're, number one is you're gonna see a governmental change and push for either ownership structure issue, you know, ownership, ownership structure where that fan implementation is gonna come into play, where governments are gonna effectively get on the side of fans and allow them to get an easy win in, in, in the political sphere for that. 
Um, but seeing all of that, I don't necessarily feel like, yeah, you should be punishing the players because it's not an object of what the, you know, the mechanism of what they're, what they're completing. So to me, uh, I, I'm talking money and I'm, what I mean by money, I mean lots of money. So say they're going to make what? It was like 40, how many, do you know how much they were going to make a year for 40 million? Was it 40 million pounds or something yeah. like that? Per- it's around that, yeah. Okay. Well, they should be, each one of those teams needs to be fined 40 million pounds for one for for one year. And what they need to do then is that money is then going to go support grassroots movements in football all throughout England. That's that's what should be their fine. That, that's is, that's not a bad idea, Tim, because it's yeah, they they've pissed off a lot of the uh grassroots of the so to give mm-hmm. to give back We're talking the entire community, you know, community structures, you know, anti-discrimination based groups, all of that. We're if you're saying that's that's 240 million pounds that can be then donated and put back into the community. I'll tell you what, if they, if they went through all of this and then they ended up, you know, different nonprofits acquired 240 million pounds because of these, from these six, uh, from these six clubs, I, I would hope it's actually going to turn out for the better because they're not going to be hurt by their players being, not, not being there. They're, the transfer activity, removing the ability for them to transfer in and out players doesn't necessarily fit to me. It's, this is about money, so they need to be punished through money. And taking, taking whatever revenue that they would have made from that first year of being in the, in the, in, uh, the Super League is the amount of money that they need to be, should be paying back into the community, directly into the community. And then government will eventually then change and figure out what's the best for the structure, like you said, 50 plus one. Well, that's not a perfect solution. It's a, it's a much better than what they currently have, but put, um, they need to be fined big time. time, And that's, that's, that's what I feel is the correct punishment for the crime. Albeit it's not really a crime with what they did. I think they just need to, if you want to support and make up, make amends for it, $40 million. 40 million pounds that is, you know, between all the six teams, put it back in a grassroots movement all throughout England, then you're good. Just, like just, where it hurts. just yeah, hit them where it hurts their wallets. Yeah, just give it to Berry. Let Berry get back on the, on their, on their feet again. Let them start up a, a football club. Let them buy Harry Kane from Tottenham. And then of course, uh, and then of course, um, Daniel Levy gets the money back. <laughs> and then we, we start all over again. Um, Alex, um, how much respect do you have to give Bayern Munich and PSG for this? Because, um, you know, apparently Bayern Munich were the first ones to be approached and they turned it yeah. straight away um, and they said they didn't want any part of it. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain has said afterwards, after Bayern Munich, that they didn't want a part of it either. But then, of course, the German football, they went all out and said no German clubs are going to be, you know, supporting this. But that you have to give them so much respect for that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Massive, 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 yeah. massive balls. Why didn't they, they leak it? If this was going on and they were, they, they told them to fuck off, why didn't they leak it? Mm, yeah, that's, that's a good question. That is, that is, that's a good point, yeah. Well, so, so now my respect was just lowered a little bit because that's an interesting observation. Um, but to say no to something that seemed like a big money-making scheme, as as Tim just pointed out, I, I mean, that takes that takes some balls to do that. Especially when you consider like PSG and Bayern being those top teams in France and Germany, respectively, you would think that they would want to promote themselves more and make more money for themselves, but uh, they turn it down. So slow clap for them. Um, (laughs) Having the foresight to realize that it was going to be an absolute shit show. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Good. It's good. It's good. Um, 
Kev and, and Tim, we talked about a little bit of punishment, what you would do. Um, but there's also talk about them being kicked out of the Champions League, Europa, uh, FA Cup and Premier League, whatever, this season. And I don't want that at all because I'm all for letting them continue this season with their achievements and, and then punish them next year because... And if you say Chelsea are out of the FA Cup, Leicester won't want to win it like that, surely, will they? Leicester won't want to win the league like that either. I mean, I know I wouldn't want that for Saints because if you, yeah, if you banish Chelsea, Man City, then of course you get a final again of Saints and Leicester. But I, I, I don't want that. And then, so I'm talking about punishment for next season. Tim's brought up a good point. I, I reckon you should relegate them. This will be fun. Relegate them all. Right? Relegate all six of them. Start. You know, next season, the big six compete in the championship. You'd only be able to promote three, wouldn't you? So there's a strong chance that Arsenal, Spurs yeah. and United would have to stay down there for two years. The players would want out because there's no guarantee of European in that stretch. Um, and they they also need to know that nothing like this can happen again. So, yeah, heavy fines, banned from cup competitions or something like that. That would be great for football. And obviously Saints would probably still miss out on Europe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love that. But, yeah, that, that's just fantasy, really, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it is. But, um, yeah, Alex, what would you do punishment-wise? How would you do oh, I, I've thought about a number of things. I mean, a point deduction sounded the most feasible, I think. Uh, and I kind of agree with what Tim's saying. The the fines, find them what they would stand to make in the Super League deal. Give that money back to the grassroots soccer community. Oh, shit, there's push-ups. Um <laughs> It's it's really hard though, isn't it? Because you can't. It's it's hard to find a balance between punishing the club so that the owners' pocketbooks get hurt, while also not completely devastating the achievements that the players have gotten. Well, that's what Kev was pointing out—a transfer embargo well, that would that would uh, affect the clubs surely, wouldn't it? Not the players because they still. They're still right. there at that time, yeah. but they can't bring any new yeah. ones in. The, the agents' fees would probably get hurt too, and then maybe clubs Absolutely. would reconsider how much they're actually playing. They're they're paying for their players. Uh, yeah, I, I think there are a number of options that can be considered, and there's a sad part of me that thinks that it's not going to happen because now that the owners have come out and and apologized with their half-hearted bullshit comments, I still think that nothing is going to happen. I do too. I do. I know it's it's, it's fun to to play and, and think like this, it would be good. But, um, Tim, any final thoughts on the Super League from you? Uh, it's all about the haves and have-nots. Uh, the structure of capitalism is a very, 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 very long conversation, even beyond what we're going to talk about here. But uh, the only way that capitalists know to be how to be affected is by messing with their money. And when you're messing with their money, then, they, then they'll – then they they perk up and say what's going on, and we're not talking like oh here's a couple you know here's a couple million pounds which they'll you know write one from their own checkbook and say here you go not a big deal, we're talking significant massive amount of fines everything else in terms of what I feel is appropriate you know like fuck it yeah relegate them screw them all like you know I can think of a lot crazier things of what I personally want to do, but the, the punishment to fit the crime here it's all about money make them. Start. I mean, we're make make them pay, make them pay big time for it, and for doing things that are against the the the, the national interest at hand and in, in the interest of the Premier League. So, you could start by supporting and funding grassroots movements, and they can at least then put a bandaid over the big over the over the problem. Yeah, uh, Kevin. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with Tim. 
um, hurting the fans or the players is not necessarily fair, but I mean, that's what usually happens when the, the with financial mismanagement or you know, general uh, administrative fuck ups. Like we've seen it with our own club, we've been docked ten points and rooted to the bottom of League One. Um, fans didn't have anything to do with that, but they had to deal with it. But yeah, I mean, big fines, and uh, I think taking away control from these, you know, monolithic sports corporations or rich individuals and putting it back into the uh, hands of fans. <laughs> if that's the thing that comes out of this, then I think maybe we could say that there's some restitution. We're talking socialism now, Kevin. Yes. <laughs> For the masses, uh, a dictatorship of the proletariat. That's what we're looking for. Uh, Alex, any final thoughts? I got to give a slow clap to Patrick Bamford for saying something that I think should have been said. It's, it's really, it's a, it's been awesome to see the backlash from the fans, but it is a shame to see that it's only happened when people's pocketbooks are threatened. Uh, not, not, not necessarily from the fans, but from UEFA and FIFA and all the, other organizational bodies that essentially have been calling the kettle black as the pots. Um, but, but it's a shame that they've organized such strong backlashes against this when they could do so much more to combat racism in the game itself. When you have players uh, throwing racist remarks at other players and, and handing bands out that are just comical in, in terms of their actual punishments. Agreed. Yeah, that was good from Bamford. It was nice to see. Um, and right. I, like, I like the shit housing of uh, Liverpool on Monday with all those T-shirts and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Klopp didn't like it much, but yeah. <laughs> no, <but> fucking. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So we're going to talk about the games now, then, guys. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> this is Klaus Lundqvist, and you are listening to In That Number. Okay, then. Right, Leicester City FA Cup semi-final. Well, I mean, where do we start here? We we just didn't find anything at all, did we? We didn't even have a shot on target. Uh, just disappointing showing. One of those games, I guess you wish we could just do again. Although I haven't said that, we'd probably do the same. Um, there were reports before the game that Ralph was was showing them a motivational movie. What the fuck did he show them? Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> I I just don't know, Kev. What the what the hell happened? Uh well, nothing, really. <laughs> no, that's um, it. Well, we went out. Oh, that's what happened. A ship shit. that was sinking. Yeah. Yes, just lackluster from from both sides, really. Uh, semi-finals and finals are normally quite cagey affairs, anyway. Um, not entirely gold fests, but uh, but yeah, neither side really seemed up for it. I think. Both sides surely must have been going into this thinking, right, you know, Saints are there for the taking ship from, um, can't even beat West Brom. Uh, Leicester also, you know, had their own troubles, um, players cocking about, um, with, uh, parties and orgies or whatever it is they're up to. <laughs> um, and yeah, not on the best of form. So going into it, you think, right, we can really grab this by the jungler, but, um, that was just, just like a, both teams decided to throw it at the same time. Leicester were the first ones to, to crack us with a, a shot on goal, which, uh, I believe is the, the only shot on goal in the whole match. Yeah. Yeah, it was abysmal, wasn't it? And honestly, it was just a blackout game because it was just, there was nothing memorable about it whatsoever. 
there is little teeth in attack. There is nothing outside. Like we didn't have one shot on goal practically, or at least it didn't seem like it. No, we didn't. And huh? yeah, and it was dull. <laughs> There's not much more to say to it besides we play a crap game and any motivation is is not there. And I don't know what movie. Probably the movie Glory, um, because in the end, ultimately, they do crash and burn and die. And that's probably the best way I can uh, describe it, because that's probably the best motivational movie that I can think of that uh, would end up like that. Yeah, I I think the most memorable part of the game was how nervous I was beforehand. Uh, And and I'm I'm trying to recall what actually happened in the game outside of Diallo getting a silly yellow card and blasting that shot over the bar. And Iniacho just cutting us open. Um, I, I berated the Chelsea Man City leg of that FA Cup round because that looked really boring and dull, like neither team were going for it. And then, lo and behold, Saints, Leicester, <laughs> same, same thing. Yeah, I remember, it's funny you say that, um, Alex, I remember being so, so nervous at the start of this game. I can't remember the last time I was this, I was pumped up so much for this game. I was like preparing for it. And I was pacing up and down. I was literally pacing up and down just to to stay active because I was so just antsy to get going. And it just, yeah, it's so, so disappointing. Um, This is going to be a really, really difficult question for all three of you. But who would you give man of the match to? Who wants to go first? (laughs) I'll go first because I think at one point I was chatting with you, Ray, and I said that Ward Prowse looked good Mm, in terms of his defense. Like he was covering everything. I would I would give him man of the match with you know low uh, low standards because while he did put in the work rate that doesn't count for everything if you can't get a result out of it and and that's something I'm guilty of with a lot of these players like oh you work really hard but sometimes that's just not enough and uh, you got to do better but that, um, yeah, you know for Prowsey right. Prowsey was one of the few guys up for it and. It sucks that not everybody else could try to be brave enough to, you know, move on to the next round. You know, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Alex. I think there's man of the match isn't really much of a much of a plaudit after after that kind of match. It's difficult. I mean, I can doubt give it to to Danny Ings, but I mean, I, I just don't want to this time. I'm, I'm going to give it to to Prousey as well. I, I don't think he had a particularly bad game didn't have a particularly good game either. I've seen slightly more favourable ratings for Bednarek and Vestergaard, but I wasn't really impressed, to be honest. <laughs> no. Tim? Uh, well, there, you, you, usually it's a safe bet to go with Ward-Prowse. Yeah, the safe bet is go with Armstrong. Uh, he made enough uh, progressive movement runs, though, that made... Somewhat of a difference. Obviously, you know, there was nothing. There was no closed in. There was no heavy attack that we saw. But um, seeing how he plays out and been basically pretty much been on top of it just about every game that we can imagine. I'm going to go with Stewie. Yeah, I think Stuart Armstrong was actually one of mine, but I'm going to go completely different. I'm going to give it to Diallo um, just because he wow. had a shot. He had a shot. That was it. That's he had a couple only, of cracks. Didn't yeah, he? that's the, the only thing I can remember. So. I, yeah, both of those. Uh, it was. It could have been Armstrong, Ward Prowse, or Diallo for me, but I would say a five out of ten for all of them. And yeah, man of the match for Diallo just because he uh, he came closest. That's my. Uh, yeah, that's why I've given it to Diallo. The number of mistakes he made. I mean, uh, he practically gives the ball to Vardy for that first chance that um, Perez skies, and then does exactly the same a few minutes later. Um, and Vardy puts it over to. Um, 
he, he didn't really have a strong performance, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, enough of that. Right, let's go and talk about more bollocks. Um, Spurs. Yeah, thank you. Uh, This one really, really hurt. You know, it was it was really difficult to get ready for this game as well because of all the shit that was going on beforehand. Yes, it was settled before kickoff, but then you know Mourinho was out, Ryan Mason come in. I I felt the you know I I felt the pressure on from for the Leicester game, obviously because it was semi final and all that, and then there was the Super League chat, and I felt relieved because I thought yes. We can get back into football, get back to playing. And my spirits were quite high, you know, just before kickoff. Um, the opening 45 minutes was pretty promising, I, I have to say. It was so much better than the Leicester one. I mean, it created more chances in the opening five minutes than we did in, against Leicester. We scored with a brilliant header as well from Danny. And, and then, you know, same shit again. It was just the second half, looked lost, tired. Uh, Shea had run himself into the ground. He just looked done um, and collapsed collapsed again Kevin did you see the same yeah yeah pretty much I mean disappointed that Shea didn't get his chance in the semi-final really mattered um but good to see him and Ings up top again and uh, yeah Teller back in the team too yeah um uh weird with Bertram being left out that was a, definitely a surprise for us um coming into this I mean was there an injury or was it just completely out of favour? I still don't know, to be honest. I, I have no idea. It did seem weird and Salisi come in and, yeah, he's not a left-back, is he? He's definitely not a left-back. Um, he was good in, in spells in that position. He, I think that game kind of summed up his whole Saints career because he looks, sometimes he looks really comfortable and you think, yeah, we've got ourselves a player here. And then sometimes he does these stupid things that you think, what the, what is he doing? And I just don't know what, what we've got with him just quite yet. But I, I know that we shouldn't be putting him left back, that's for sure. Tim, how did you how did you feel about this game? Once again, it's just a it's just troublesome and it's it's a chore to have to be able to watch it. Although at least for the first half we looked pretty good. Um I was in the middle of work, so I didn't get to catch every single second of it. Um, but at least from the first half that I saw, there were some decent chances there. Uh, going up 1-0 against, against them and taking the, you know, taking the initial, uh, goal. Always good thing. Uh, Ward Prowse with his amazing set deliveries. They obviously worked on a few things in practice for those set pieces. And then from there, uh, we just collapsed like we normally do. So, uh, it's just, expected at this point and ryan mason you know whether it be the new manager bounce or not i don't think he did anything spectacular there um we couldn't do it we just couldn't no no harry kane like that's our chance to at least take a point you know if we walk out of there and we tied and said okay like that's it like we went to tottenham and we tied all right but no uh it's just been absolute shit and it sucks and i I don't i'm a little uh, I'm a little burnt out, honestly, yeah. because it's just, it's just, it's just tiring. I, I'm right with you there, Tim. I really am. Um, and Alex, I mean, one nil up, playing okay or playing good, I would say. Second half, you know, you, you let the, you let the equaliser into a Gareth Bale shot, fine. <laughs> but the way that you, the lack of effort there, that everybody run themselves into the ground, and to lose like we did, you know, free kick originally, and then they obviously changed that decision and given a penalty. It was difficult. A, a, a draw would have been a fantastic result there, considering how yeah. well we how we played in the second half. But to lose like that, it was just really unfair. And to let that, oh, that's just uh, he's one of my most hated players right now because yeah. he always seems to score against us. 
Yeah. Especially after being let off from a offside call, which oh, yeah. I think, I think VAR did a good job there and trying to be as unbiased as possible. Um, but, but I definitely, I agree. Sorry, Teddy's crying in the stadium. Oh no, Teddy agrees with you. Yeah, he does. Um, it, it right. seemed like going into that game, we had karma on our side. Jose Mourinho got fired. No Harry Kane. You want to stick it? Like, fuck this team. They're one of the big six that just tried to break away. Like, go stick it to them. And th- this is this is why I am now at a point where I want to almost say Hassan Google out because we had a – the formation didn't change, but we had players in positions where they were doing well. We had Armstrong holding with Ward-Prowse in the middle. And when Ings got hurt, you replaced him with Diallo and moved Armstrong up. And Diallo just slowed everything down. It's like all of a sudden the urgency went out of the game and we let them come onto us rather than, you know, going after them. Why, why didn't you immediately just put Redmond on and have him run down everything in his path? I, I, it's yeah. so frustrating to see these kind of substitutions that are just like, what the fuck are you doing every week? I think <laughs> the thing with the thing that I'm running out of patience with, with Ralph is that that we've said it many many times on this show that uh, there's no plan B. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's like the, the pre-match. Ralph's fantastic. He seems to pick the right players, the right positions. He knows what he's doing. Everything's all sort, sorted. And then as soon as we get exposed. There is nothing. There's no plan B. Now, I don't know whether that's just because he just doesn't have the players that he wants in. But like you said, Alex, he's not making the right decisions in game. He doesn't know what to do on the fly. Whereas everybody else can go in at half time and say, right, Saints, Saints are exposed here. Kyle Peters is going forward too much. Let's get Son in behind him. Right. Boom. Everybody seems to know how to play Saints in the second half. And that's not a coincidence. It's just we cannot – I don't know if we can change on the fly. Like Brighton did it, didn't they, against us? Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to be able to change their tactics against us, but Ralph doesn't seem to do it. He just doesn't know what to do when we when we go a goal down. And for God's sake, I mean, if, if we have to close a game out from being in a lead with 10 minutes to go, I don't like it at all. I do not like it. I miss Shane Long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, guys, man of the match. I'll go first then. I'm going to give it to Nathan Teller for that first half display. I thought he looked like something that we haven't got. He looks like Gineppo does on the games that he's playing really well. He was causing problems. I think Ralph had said after the game that he he liked his his performance, and I think he's here to stay now. Do you know, I think he's going to be in that in that um, starting eleven against Leicester just because of those comments. So I'm going to give it to Nathan Teller. I'm going to say exactly the same thing. I don't care. It was really impressive um, yeah. in, in, in that first half. Um, a great ball in for that. Uh, I mean, Lloris pulled up a double save, but Salito, Salito, Salito's header there and um, yeah, Che with the rebound, both, both saved. Um, really unfortunate to, um, uh, to not score on, on, on the, at that point and on a number of occasions. And yeah, he's looking fast and up to his best. I mean, in Lundalu, he'd been sort of uh, given so many chances. Um, he's fallen out of favour really now, hasn't he? And uh, Teller looks like uh, the one breakthrough player. I say that I'd probably get sent off in the next match. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, yeah, I thought he had a, um, a great match. 
And yeah, he's, he's fine now. Ings was it up until he got injured. So, uh, I'll go with Ings. Okay. Alex? Yeah, I, I, I'm torn between Tella and Ings. Um, Ings scored a great header and it's, Again, we see how crucial he is to our press and leading that press from the front because once he went off, everything changed. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Ings. I think we'll just have a 50-50 split here. One player we haven't talked about is Alex McCarthy, um, who started over Fraser Forster, who hadn't really had that bad a performance coming into the, this match. I mean, what do you think the reasoning is behind that? I honestly just think that he's just showing both his goalkeepers some love that he he has got. Maybe maybe it's just because that both of them are none of them have done anything wrong. I've got two good goalkeepers here. I'm just going to rotate them. I don't think there's any. I don't think we need to read anything into that. I, I would not be surprised if um Forster started on Friday night. Uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if McCarthy started. I, I, how would you rate his performance? Because um yeah, was, I'm, I'm lucky. I suppose. Yeah, fine. Um, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, that Gareth Bale shot was quality. I mean, yeah. you couldn't ask for much more from any goalkeeper in that situation, I think. After the game, guys, there's some serious questions circling over social media about Ralph's exit. A lot of polls going up. Uh, Alex said at the top of the show that he's, he's still Ralph in. I'm still Ralph in, but like Alex said, it's the closest I've ever been to him being out. Uh, but I don't know whether that was just a knee-jerk reaction to the results now. I know the guy needs some investment, um, but it's his lack of changes and his stubbornness with the current system and the fact that we're so predictable to play against. Uh, like I said as well, opposing managers find it easy with their halftime team talks. I, I mean, Ralph is a good manager, but it's just not working at the moment. And we will, will a fresh face make a difference? I don't, I'm not so sure it will. But do we need to get a change in the summer and get a new message across? Or do we stand by him and give him the funds and a chance to finish what he started, Kev? Well, let's hope that the funds are there. I mean, I'm about 60-40, Ralph, in at the moment. I'm about that. Yeah, and, you know, with every loss, you know, you lose another percent or two. It's not just a loss. It's the way that we're losing, the fact that he's not doing anything about it or he doesn't seem that he knows what he's doing about it. Yeah, I mean... the, the frustration of having a good 40, first 45 minutes and then throwing it all away, you can kind of take that because it's just a, a classic Saints tragedy. But when they don't even try for the whole 90 minutes, that's when you start thinking, oh, are the wheels coming off the Ralph Express here? But at least that last match against Tottenham, you know, had that spark. We were definitely the better team in the first half. We just couldn't grind it out. And that goes um, down to the way that we play, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, but is that a matter of squad, squad depth? Um, the, the players he brought on they should have been making a difference, really. Gineppo, Redmond, Diallo, maybe not so much. He was kind of brought in as an understudy, wasn't he? But, sure, yeah. Um, is the whole squad knackered? I don't know. If we need a bigger squad, we're going to need more money and more investment in the summer. I think this transfer window is going to be crucial to whether we stay up next season. Absolutely. Tim, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Ralph at the moment. I guess the the assumption is, can you do better without him? Yeah, no, I don't think we can. No, and that's my answer, is I don't think we can do better without him. I think the expectation that we're all living up to and want to push for is that, you know, the Pontatino, the Ronald Koeman, the finishing and pushing for Europa places consistently. But uh, in reality, we're a mid-table squad that, 
has had some shit luck, uh, some bad injuries, and then some poor overall um, just actions in the in 2021. So I don't know. Have we peaked? Potentially. But can we do better? Probably not. Maybe a few points here and there. But well, I'm not. I mean, I'm not at the point where I'm I'm Ralph out. But I'm not at the point where I feel like you know with the exact same situation and just with a managerial change, something will effectively flip a switch and now we're ten points better than we should have in, in retrospect, better than where we are at. It's a hard sell. I mean, what manager are you going to attract with the proposition of, oh yeah, you're going to have exactly the same players, no Adkins. investment, Adkins. and <laughs> <laughs> I don't think even Adkins would touch it, to be honest. Uh, well, I don't know, Alex. If if we started the season as as bad as we are right now, you know, we from from August to December we finished, you know, bottom of the league, and then all of a sudden January we started turning it around. Basically, if our season was swapped. And we are where we are now. Would you be happy with that? Because I think mm. we would be. I think we'd be I think, fine. I think so too. Yeah. It's kind of like last season, you know. We but the, we've just done a reverse, and it, it hurts because of the way that we were and the way that we were top of the league in November. It's just psychology. Just we're just in a worse place right now because it's yeah it's getting worse as opposed to not getting. But we can't see anything getting better at the moment. Right. It's sort of that definition of insanity. Uh, it's doing the same thing over and over again and res- expecting different results. And, uh, we keep losing in the same way or, or uh, one of two different ways where either we come out in the second half and just show nothing or our defensive mistakes and defensive just overall shit allow us to just be torn open. And I don't know. I think you were right. If the season was flipped and we were being successful now and have having Having had a poor start to the season, we would be looking at this differently. But I keep thinking back to when we first came out of lockdown and we went undefeated for seven games, I think it was. And like Ralph really polished a turd on that one. And I keep thinking, why, why can't, why is, why has it stopped now with new players and like Walcott and Minamino? What, what has changed between then and now where we can't get the same sort of effort and same sort of quality out of what we have? Yeah, it's it's a difficult one to to put your finger on it, isn't it? Having said that, if it had been on the reverse, I think Ralph would have been sacked before January if we'd have been bottom of the league in December. So, you know, it, it might not have been a reverse. But, yeah, the, the season just seems to be getting worse, doesn't it? We, um, we just need those points for safety, uh, move on to next season. Because as Tim has said, he's not enjoying the games. I'm not enjoying the games now. But the weird thing is, when the team lineups are released, I get myself up for the game again. And mm. then there's a loss, and the cycle repeats. But I, I'm just tired. I've had enough this season, especially after this week. I am looking forward to the Euros now, and you know the short turnaround until we go again. But enough is enough now. We just need to. I just want to enjoy my football again. I want to enjoy watching Saints again, and I don't think that's going to happen this time. Uh, this season, we just need to keep treading water, get those points, and um, and move on to the off season. And hopefully, Gal puts puts some money in, and we can do a lot better in the transfer window. Or we just fucks off altogether. That would be nice too. Dean Hammond's here. Thank you for tuning in to In That Number. Um, okay then, uh, Leicester at St Mary's Friday the 30th, 8 p.m. kickoff, live on Sky Sports or NBC. Um, we all remember what happened last time we played them at St. Mary's. Um, Tim, 
Give us a preview. Deja vu all over again. You guys ready for it? Yep. Leicester versus Southampton. Uh, Friday night. Oh man, aren't, aren't you just all excited? <laughs> um, between the, between the 9-0 comments, the FA Cup loss, and now our B team getting completely thrashed by them 7-1. Uh, it's just a really exciting game to be able to play again. I'm really excited and looking forward to it. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Dave. What's the weather forecast for Friday? Uh, it's probably going to be heavy rain. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Last meeting, obviously we lost to a 1-0, and their top scorer has been an absolute renaissance for in a nacho, any nacho, combined with Vardy. It's a, a fantastic one-two punch for them that they have. Uh, when I was predicting and looking like their, uh, their formation, uh, they came out with a 4-3-3 most recently when they, when we played against them. Uh, I think they're still gonna be able to do that now, except they'll, they'll, they'll throw Madison in there. Um, just because within, when we played against them, uh, when we played against them for the FA Cup game, uh, that is, they use more of like, like I said, like a 3-4-1-2, 4-3-3. They kind of just bounced around with Castagne and Pereira being involved in, uh, they put their three fantastic center backs up, uh, Wensley Fofana, J- Johnny Evans, and Sayochu. And overall, they've got two men up top now where they used to be just a one-man game with Vardy. So, Ayosu Perez started for him. I don't expect him to start this time. I expect him, they're, they're going to throw Madison back in there. I hate that um, but we're going to see Nadidi, we're going to see Thielmans, and we're just going to see, uh, you know, what, the, you know, we're going to see the traditional, ba- uh, the matchups that we just had. Um, so seeing that, uh, the battle, like, what are the key battles? Well, the bat, the battle has always been Vardy against the, the run, running, run, the run throughs of Vestigard and Bednarik. That should be so, fucking easy at the moment, shouldn't it? Oh, bad. yeah. Well, they just, they knew how to split them open like a can, you know, like a can recently. And seeing all that, uh, that's gonna be the matchup again. So, how are we gonna set up? Uh, I don't, I think we're gonna set up in our normal traditional formation. Uh, if Bertrand is still injured out there, I think he'll, they're gonna throw Salisu out at left back and not have any overlaps. And then, uh, I don't think that Amino will start because I think that his goal is, their goal now is to figure out what's best for next year. And I can see Tella, um, get, getting a start again as well. So I wouldn't be uh, surprised if Teller went up front with um, with Shea to be honest, and then they yeah, and then they I'll, stuck Theo and um uh, sorry uh, Armstrong and Redmond and Theo on the bench. Yeah, I think they're they're wanting to plan for next year too. So um, don't after this game once if we are starting to get any sort of semblance of points, uh, be prepared for the youth to play. And I think actually that'd be the most exciting thing because I would like to see Jankowitz get out there Me more too. than two minutes. Yeah, I would really like to see him. Uh, he put, I caught some of his highlights that he had against in the, um, uh, was it the U19 Worlds that he played in? Yeah, yeah. Or the 20, 21s for Switzerland when he played against England. Yeah. And he did really well. So, uh, that's what, that's how I see us setting up. Ward Prowse and Diallo will be in the center. And yeah, Armstrong, you're looking at Armstrong. Redmond. Armstrong Walker. and Redmond on the, on the, on the outside. Tella and Adams up top. I think so, uh, with too. our traditional back four, and ex- if Salisu's in for Bertrand, if he's injured, and it's really just a 50-50 chance between who starts, and Yeah, I was going to say, who McCarthy. starts between the sticks? Who are you going with? Uh, it's probably going to be McCarthy. He's just going to stick it out for like a three or four games, and then they'll okay. keep rotating back and forth. I'm going to go Forster. So for, for, Forster will end, he will end the season. I'm going to go Forster on Friday. Kev, what are you going with? Um, I'm going to go with Forster and... 
pretty much the same lineup. I'd probably go with Teller in the same position and Redmond up top. Okay, yeah, yeah that, that, I could see that. switching them about, kind. Yeah, um, Alex, who's, who's starting goal? I think it's going to be Forster. I would be surprised if Ralph just alternates them the rest of the games every every game. Um, I did read an interesting comment this morning from Saints News Now about Bertrand being left out because he hasn't signed a new contract. Um, well, then, I don't know. Then leave Danny out as well, then. Yeah. Leave Vestergaard yeah. out. Right. Might as well. Um, Bertrand's done it this year, though. Yeah. Whereas the rest of them have one year left. The other, yeah. all those have one. Again, it's just, it's, it's, it's stupid for Ralph to do that because we don't have another left back and. Oh, uh, I hope to God that they haven't had an argument because, and Ralph's just being stubborn saying, well, if you're not going to, you know, give your future to this club, then you can fucking sit on the bench, mate. I hope right. that's not the case. I really do, but. And sit on the bench. In a park somewhere, not <laughs> yeah. at the stadium. Yeah, not at the stadium. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I've just looked at the weather. If you're interested, Friday the thirtieth at eight o'clock, it's um, cloudy, uh, eleven degrees, and a seventeen percent chance of rain. So, I like yeah, those odds. Watch that go up throughout the week. <laughs> That's going to be a downpour by then, anyway. Um, predictions then. I'm I'm going to go two one Leicester, but. We're not going to take the lead this time. I'm going with 2-1 Leicester again. I'm going to recycle my score prediction from last time. Okay. But are we taking the lead, Kevin, and then throwing it away again? It doesn't fucking matter, does it? The result's the same. <laughs> uh, Tim, prediction? Uh, 2-0. We're losing. Alex? I think I'm going to do the same thing, 2-0. Um, Gemma is going 2-0 Leicester. Okay. And Abby is going... 3-0. Saints? Uh, no. Oh. Marina's a, a lot more Six optimistic nil. than she usually is. So three one, she's saying. <laughs> okay, wow. right, uh, right. Okay, that's it. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to Tim. Um, thank you, Tim, for coming on and giving us the uh, preview and your thoughts on the Super League and how shit Saints are at the moment. It's been it's been mm-hmm. great having you on. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you so much. It's a it's a pleasure talking about something so shitty. But yeah. uh, I'm just love talking with you guys. So. Excellent. Enjoy the the rest of your enjoy the rest of your day. Tim, let's get up for Leicester on Friday. Come on, you Saints! <laughs> Come on, you Saints! <laughs> Cheers, mate. Speak to you soon. All right, bye guys. See you. Hi, I'm Matt Tissier, and thank you for listening to In That Number. Okay, welcome back to Extra Time. Uh, we'll start with the predictions. Virtually everyone going for a Leicester win, apart from me. Uh, however, no one went one nil, so two points for everyone. Apart from me. Um, and that left the scores. Kevin on 45, me on 40, Tim on 31. Uh, Alex, for next season, we'll add you to this. Don't worry. I'll do better. <laughs> uh, and Spurs then. I got a Spurs 2-1 win. So, yeah. Uh, you guys went for draws. So nothing for you and five to me. So the scores now, me on 45, Kevin on 45. Tim on 31, so it's all even, Kev. Neck and neck. Yeah, and wife wars. Uh, as I say, all everyone getting Leicester, so uh, two points all round. So uh, Spurs, Marina went for a Saints win, uh, so zero for her. Abby got it bang on with a 2-1. So now the scores are Gemma on 30, Abby on 30, and Marina on 25. Still close, still close, just one win away. Uh, Super 6, round 51 was won by Freddie, from the ugly inside, uh, 19 points. 
round 52, Stephen McCullough and Jason Lewis tied with 16, leaving the overall lead, Tom Hennigan, 423. Fantasy football, uh, how did we all do then? I mean, I just realised something, right, that my team has replicated Saints because I started very well and now it's all falling apart. And I looked at my team and thought, fucking hell, yeah, I've done really well this week. And then I looked at your team, Kevin, and thought, shit, you beat me again. Um, Alex, how, how did you get on? Uh, I did pretty well last week. I'm trying to figure out what my actual point total was, and I'm struggling with that. But this week, I am doing hot garbage, uh, <laughs> if that were a way to describe your point accumulation. I, I just, I, I have been up and down all season and just making dumb fantasy decisions. So, oh well. I don't know how you did last week. I can't remember. Kev, how, how did you do last week? I got 75, which is a fairly decent haul for me. Um, Kane captain, I was, uh, I mean, was I disappointed that he wasn't playing against Saints? If we'd lost anyway, I mean, it would have been a nice little frosting there. But, uh, yeah, Son got me, got me some points as well. I, ca- I captained Son, by the way, so that was good. Alex, you got 54 mm. last week. Yeah, yeah, I found it. Um, that, and for, for me, that's not bad. <laughs> See, I'm sitting on 18 right now, so. Yeah. Well, I've got four. I've got seven now, so yeah, no, no good. I got something similar, but I mean, I think a lot of my players haven't played. You know? Oh shit, no, that they mostly have. Mm, yeah, mine too. Fucking awful. What are they all doing? One all draws and they're not involved in something. Yeah, basically. Oh, marvelous. Although, yeah, Ian Acho is my captain, so if he gets a hat trick against Crystal Palace, I'll be roaring away. <laughs> um, all ifs. He is very big ifs as well. Um, mm. Son's your captain, he's not even playing. I know. Thanks. Your your vice is Bruno Fernandes, who's uh, <laughs> just letting three goals against me. Shut up, you penis. <laughs> uh, he's playing at the moment. Okay. By the way, does anyone know the Wolves and Burnley full time score? Because I'm not gonna look. Yeah, four nil Burnley. Oh shit. Yeah, they have oh. in position now. Yeah, who's it just said though that um Chris Wood got a hat trick? Yeah, that was yeah. me. First half hat trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Wolf. Come out Wolf. of nowhere. N- N- Nuno's going at the end of the season, by the way. You think? Yeah. 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 He'll go. Um, okay, uh, fantasy football, back to that, Kev. Um, who's who's won this week? Uh, last week, rather. Uh, it's difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, I, I got the best out of us, us lot. Um, I did better than Matt Markstone, who played as wild card um, and ended up getting 70 for that. Uh, exactly the same as uh, Ollie's Cess Pistol. Third in the other league, Side got 60. And Tim got 58 by playing as wild card. Wow. But yeah, I didn't I didn't have a wild card, so I planned this in advance. I wouldn't have any Spurs or uh, City players. So should have worked that well for me. Uh, so yeah, no real changes in our podcasters league. Uh, although Jack Service has pipped you to fifth place. Fuck. And, yeah, Mikey from the Saints Prime Pod has overtaken me, but I mean that could all change, couldn't it? You are you are four, no, you're thirty third in our open league and I'm forty fourth. Mm, still ahead. Yep. That's top all, three. That's all that matters. Just want to beat you, Kev. Now top three are Dan Buck. Absolutely Fabregas, Bobby Brown and Lucy Hynett still top. Um, let me just see how she's doing. She's, doing. she's got even higher. Fuck you now. So she how can she off. get higher than first? Well, she was in the top, uh, just in the top 2,000. Um, oh, yeah. 
last time, wouldn't she? She used her triple captain to good effect and uh, got 77 points. Ooh. She's now 1,549. She's not far from winning the whole fucking thing, to be honest. No, that's good, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah, Russian phrase this week. A Russian <laughs> phrase for this week is Dengi Pravet Miram. Dengi Pravet Miram. Dengi Pravet Miram. Let me Americanize it. Dengi Pravet Miram. Excellent. Um, what does that mean, Kevin? Well, it's appropriate. It's uh, money, uh, money makes the world go round. Literally, money rules the world. Perfect. Love it. Okay, that is about it for this week. My thanks to Alex Haas, uh, to Byzance, and you, Kevin. Ah, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, next week we will be uh, reviewing the Leicester collapse, and we will be previewing the Liverpool collapse. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, So, yeah, until then, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Southampton. If we say down the Saints, do you think they'll do well? Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.